G'day everyone and welcome to Porsche Talk. I'm Mark from Mark and Cars across most social media and each week I'm joined by Ajmal, who you can follow as Flat Cap Driver. As a couple of car enthusiasts, we will share our passion for all things automotive, modern, racing, classics, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about Porsche. We'll occasionally bring in guests that seem to continually demonstrate each time how little we actually know about what we're talking about. So we hope you enjoy today's show. Hello Ajmal, how are you my friend? I'm good. I'm good. And it's good to be talking to you today because someone who I've teased who's going to be joining us for absolutely ages is with us. It's Tina from the Porsche UK headquarters. Hello, Tina. Hello. I actually work at a Porsche centre in Reading. Slightly different, but similar. Hello, yep. everyone. <laughs> Hello. And you're obviously sat in the office today, so you're at work. Um, yeah. So it's it's fine if you need to tell us something that no one else needs to hear, just whisper it. It's fine. <laughs> we can we can up the volume on it later. Um, okay. And this, I sent you over some of the things that I wanted to talk about, and um, a lot of stuff that we talk about all the time, and people say it to us, you know, is about allocations. Mm. And the weird thing is, a lot of people get het up about, oh well, you know, how, why isn't it offered to everybody else? And most of the people who get worked up about it are people like me and Mark, who are never going to walk in and go, can I have a, uh, yeah, can I have a GC3 RS, please? Uh, because we're never going to be able to buy one. Just um, And the question was, sorry, go on, Mark. Wait, hang on, I'm going to interrupt you. For the record, Tina, I did go in and ask that question at my local Porsche <laughs> dealership, right? That very same question. And uh, Are you that guy that's on YouTube that goes around asking Porsche centers no, but for RS allegations, knowing what the answer is going to be? But I think that's Mark McCann. I think he's, that's that's a different Mark. Is his name Mark or Mike McCann? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, he's a, yeah, a is. Bl- bloody interest, good fun YouTube <laughs> to watch. But I can imagine it's just giving the shits to every Porsche dealership that's copping the phone call as well. Mm. <laughs> I understand it though. So, so Tina, what what? Because I get that it's like a limited run and it's a controlled way of bringing these cars to the market. But what kind of feedback do you get from people walking into the dealership? It is a tough one, but with these cars, they are limited production. Um, and if you've ever been to Stuttgart and seen how they're built, they are, a lot of them are built or a lot of the, the finishing is done by hand on these cars as well. And they're, they're very, very limited. But I think if they weren't, there would be a lot more people that want them and they are limited because I think it, it keeps them special obviously we all know what they are and if they weren't limited they wouldn't be special you know we wouldn't have the demand from them that there are we do appreciate as a Porsche centre that there are lots of people out there that are not necessarily enthusiasts they're people that want to capitalise on what they might be able to resell these cars for in the future so if we did give them to people that we're just going to flip them and we only had a few to give, that would be a complete waste. Tell me, Tina, why don't you just charge more for them and let the price decide who gets them? Yeah, fair point. But having said that, there are still lots of people out there that would have the money to buy them. And if they were more, they'd resell for more. I don't think that would necessarily stop that cycle of things. Oh, I think... You know, once if you get up into sort of like, you know, millions of pounds all of a sudden for a, you know, for a GD3, I think we're going to find the ceiling here. And I think financially, look, admittedly, though, I guess in the last five to 10 years, money is worth less is what it seems like the number of people coming Mm -hmm. into the market at such high value vehicles. And 
even just today outside of Porsche, if you look at how many million dollar motor cars you can buy on any given day, the number's mm-hmm. significantly greater than it was 10 years yeah. ago or 15 years ago. You know, when it was basically Absolutely. only a Veyron, you know, it was the only car or a Koenigsegg that you could spend on that sort of money. But um, as, an, as an enthusiast myself, obviously, hence the name of the podcast, we, um, I, I'm, I've tried to buy a couple of cars with little joy, with a small purchase history at my local dealership, admittedly, but I'm a fairly small but well-known in my sphere um, yeah. influencer. I hate the word. And, um, and that has not really had much impact on me getting in short of, Mark, why don't you just buy a couple of McCann's, a couple of Caymans that you don't yeah. really want. Sure. And that will sort of grease the wheels, but not really guarantee the outcome, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, like, Absolutely. Yeah. So that pathway, I find quite curious that, that I'd love it if they had, you know, maybe if they're getting 10 cars at our dealership this year, can you just draw one of them out mm. of a hat for me? Make me feel a little bit special, <laughs> like I'm in with a chance, you know what I mean? <laughs> We, we do look at a number of things when we're thinking about who we're going to give these cars to. And a lot of it go, comes down to trust. So do we trust the person we're selling it to to not then go on and flip it? We've given cars to people that we really trusted. And, you know, occasionally money talks. These customers buy with good intent, get offered a lot of money to resell that car. And we all know you know, silly offers on these cars will persuade somebody in an instant to go, do you know what? I love it. I bought it um, with good intent, but actually that 150 grand, it, it talks. And that we've had a few people that have, ha- have been offered silly money and have then resold their cars, but that trust is then broken. So then do you then trust that customer with another GT car in the future? And um, it also comes down to, if we only get three, four, five of these cars a year, there's profit opportunity in these cars. So we sort of think about, okay, well, what what can we get in return for that car? So has that person got a car that we could take an in-part exchange and resell it? So that's always something that we look at, what is coming back to us in return for that trade? Um, and it doesn't always have to be a GT car. It's If it's a car that's got profit opportunity in it, like a Spider, for example, or something along those lines, that's limited and that's kind of quite unique and rare that we can resell, then that's another reason why we would then consider somebody over somebody else. And so I think it comes down to a few things, you know, what's, what's in it for us? Do we know that person? Do we trust them? And that whole thing about having earned your stripes, when you kind of think about if there's only a few of these cars coming into us, do we just give it to somebody who we've never dealt with before, has never bought a car from us? Or do we give it to a, a loyal customer that's giving us business, that's used our service department, that has perhaps bought a family car from us, that we know that's come to our events, that's posted you know, us on their social media? These things we all have to consider. And when these are rare cars and there's lots of trust involved, you're going to give them to somebody that you know. Um, and so I think dealers do get a really hard rap when it comes to allocation. Um, at the end of the day, there are going to be some influencers that do get these cars, but those are the only cars you do tend to see on the web. You don't see the cars that have gone to people that don't post them, 
that have earned their stripes that aren't online all the time. And there are a good few um, you know, customers that we've given them to that you're not going to see. So all that you do see are, okay, another influencer's got a car. There are quite a few that aren't. But of those influencers that have got cars, they've probably bought 10, 15 cars from us. So why not? Because they're the same as any other customer that's done the same. Great. Yeah, good, look, good, great answer. And yeah. you did actually cover my next question, which was along the lines of the same people continue to get the allocations and your potential yeah. part exchange trade really does answer that question with regards to profitability. Yeah. Like if I'm coming in, I want an ST, for example, like everyone does, right? And um, I've got a GD3 RS that I've had for nine months and I say, look, you can have this yeah. if you give me an ST, you're much more going to be more empathetic to me than I can imagine than if, uh, you know, so that you guys yeah. make the profit out of my RS rather than me That's making it. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. It's a business at the end of the day. Of course. You've got tough budgets and tough targets to make. These premises cost a fortune. The stock cost a fortune, you know, especially a centre of this size. We've got to think about, you know, what that overall deal is going to gain us as well. And if we can sell a car, buy in a part exchange, which is also going to make some make some money, um, you know, occasionally they might finance it with us. That's not necessarily an influencing factor. You kind of look at the bigger picture and go, well, which one makes more financial or business sense to us as well? So there's lots of things that go into that. Tell me. On, um, on the, I'll go on, Ajmal. I was just going to say um, we can edit this bit out if we need to. Um, are you allowed to talk about the Chris Harris rant? I can talk about it dip, diplomatically because he was a customer of ours. Um, Note the past. I will say about that. Said, said <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, he was more a customer that we gained from Porsche GB head office, which is next door. We share a building with them. So um, obviously through his top gear connections and his love of Porsche, he has previously been allocated cars from Porsche GB that we would then um, administrate and hand over and give, you know, you Chris Harris the experience as with any other Porsche customer. So he'd get given an allocation by Porsche GB. We were asked to deal with it. He would then deal with us. And I think we kind of know that he didn't really get on with the car that he had. Um, there were a couple of issues he had with it and we know how much he loves the banana, as he calls it, his 991 Touring, and the fact that he, he kind of, having driven the Touring, 992 Touring, that is, realised, actually, that he preferred his, his yellow car. And I think he realised, after having it for a short time, that it wasn't for him, which is fair enough. It happens. You don't get to drive these cars before you take delivery of them, right? So he's taken delivery of a car. He's not in love with it um, and has asked for something else um, that's we couldn't provide him. And, you know, as we know, the kind of cars that he would have wanted to replace that are not cars we can just get in an instant. They're special cars. They have to be allocated. And um, we didn't have a car available to put him into. And, and I think there was a few bits and pieces that went into that. And some of that came from Porsche head office rather than through the Reading Centre. Um, but because we, we share a site, I know that people can confuse the two. But, you know, it, the end of the day i understand why he didn't keep the car it happens um, and hopefully he still loves porsche overall imagine being in the privileged position that you're not happy with the gt3 touring 992 
what a life you're living. That's pretty special, <laughs> isn't it? Oh. No, look, nothing yeah, against Chris yeah, Harris. Yeah, he's yeah. obviously he's living the car enthusiast dream, hundred percent, right? But you know, it's even as a you know, someone that will probably never get the chance to even drive a 992 GD3 Touring. It's just you know, amazing that, you know, you're in that situation. And f- look, firstly, well done on delivering that response. It was like, you know, if, it, if, if you wrote it down to respond, that was, yeah, spot on. Yeah, good job. The, uh, <laughs> you never, you never he's once used it. He's an emotional guy. And yeah, well, he's passionate. I appreciate his passion and enthusiasm. And I don't think he'd be in the position he was in now if he was a wallflower. Um, and sometimes passion in a good way can turn equally the other way. And, I, you know, I think... It was in the past now, and I, I I can understand where he was with the car, and yeah, we've yeah, still I, got enough Chris Harris, right? <laughs> I think I think for me, and this is obviously just my opinion, is I think I think he could have dealt with it a lot better. Um, I think he could have he could have done it without having a tantrum on his social media forum where he has millions of followers. Um, and yes, of course, we can all understand, you know, you can take on a car and go, do you know what? It's a lot of money. I'm not really getting on with it. And then go, actually, I want something else. And then when, when you can't get that thing, just say, well, you know what? Fair enough. I tried, but not then go online. But anyway, we, we won't leave at that point because I know you've got to be yeah. caught. Because we've got, because we've got Chris on next week, so we thought we'd, you know, just uh, double check. Yeah. Chris, we still love you. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, so the, um, go on. I wanted to uh, before we um, go off into other topics. I wanted to ask you about, and I know we've kind of you and I have talked about this. Come, you know, we've caught about loads mm-hmm. of uh, cars and coffee events. Is how have you ended up at and and and. W- how has your love of Porsche and being an enthusiast taken you to where you are? Because you're, you know, and we talk about influencers, you know, and I don't know, Mark, if you've noticed, whenever someone in the UK picks up their car who's tagged in their post, <laughs> it's Tina. Oh, do you know what? I, I've just loved cars since probably late teens. Um, I think about the time you start thinking about your first car, it, they sort of come into your radar and I think the experience of buying I think it was just like I was buying a Mondeo with a boyfriend at the time and visiting different dealerships and thinking you know researching and you, you kind of gain a respect and love for these machines and, and it was very different back then and um, I was kind of my era era was 90s cars I still have a lot for 90s cars I have to say and at that time um, there were lots of really decent Jap cars around. So in the 90s, it was all about the Evos, the Scoobies, um, you know, Fast and Furious kind of cemented that love of Japanese cars for me with, you know, the Mazda um, RX-7. And at that time, it, it was really the era of, of Japanese sports car. And I loved them. And I had just graduated uni and walked into a Honda dealership at the time where the red badges ruled. So there was an NSX in the showroom. There was a yellow uh, Civic three-door VTI Jordan. It was the time of the double, o- double overhead cam VTEC engines in the Civics. I think the Integra Type R was in the showroom. Um, and I was there just about the time that the S2000 was launched. And it was a massive time for Jeff at that time. And I loved that scene. And so I started working there just for the cars. 
and I was kind of a PA to the sales manager at the time. So I was helping him out with trade cars, buying cars, advertising them. It was just about the time where internet used cars started to take off. So I was I started pioneering for that centre um, online car sales where people would look online and you'd post cars online rather than having an advert in the newspaper or the auto trader for your used car stock. And I just kind of stuck around because I loved it. So originally it was more admin and online based. And then a sales job came up. And I think at the time I was working Saturdays and I was looking after customers in the showroom as more of a host and um, because I was more of a PA and I was taking customers for test drives and just talking about cars with the love that I had. I'd sell them, cement up the test drive and then pass them on to a sales exec. But they'd say, but I want to deal with you. You've sold me this car. Why can't I carry on dealing with you? So the moment a sales job became available, I said, you need to give me that job or I'm leaving. I'll go somewhere else. So I think it's just something that's organically grown. I went to all the car shows. There used to be the British car show every year in Birmingham at the NEC, which I used to attend religiously. I started collecting model cars. I fell in love with American muscle at that time. So I loved the Cobra and anything with a Shelby badge. And I think one of my favourite cars at the time was the Viper, sort of that, um, that RTS or, or the, the Roadster and also the, the coupe with blue with the white Shelby stripes. Um, and it was just, it was, yeah, that was where it grew from basically. So I've just stuck around for quite a long time, ended up becoming a business manager, then a sales manager, then a general sales manager uh, with Jardine Motors, which was great. And then this job came up. I'd come to a, a kind of a bit of a stage where I'd been, where I'd been for such a long time and I'd stayed loyal to the company I was with. But when a sales manager job at Porsche comes up, I mean, you have to go for it, right? So um, a really good friend of mine in the industry who's now working in Dubai said, Tina, this job's got your name written all over it. You need to go for it. So I did. I didn't think that I'd get it. But yeah, I was fortunate enough the back end of 2018 to get offered the job here. And my love of Porsche has grown since then. And yeah, I, I didn't know as much about the brand, obviously, when I started. But since then, I've come to love all Porsche. I still love classic cars. I still love the 90s cars. I still love, well, probably one of my favourite Porsche is still the 964 Turbo because it's beautiful. But I appreciate all cars from all eras and I think I still have that nostalgia in me that loves those cars that were around when I was young. It's, yeah. it's usually, you're just saying about the, the Birmingham Motor Show because I used to go to that when I was a mm. kid. And I remember the year that I went and they had, you know, the Ferrari F40 there, they had the Diablo, they had the XA220. Yes, and, you know, and, it was, yeah. Yeah, and you saw everything there, didn't you? You saw that from the box standard hatchback that's going to get about to get launched to, you know, the concept cars that they were about to. It was amazing. And you could wander around there for it yeah. felt like days. And I used to go because it was every few years, wasn't it? It wasn't even every year. It was every two or three years, something like that. Yeah. I think um, it started as a yearly thing and it, it became more infrequent and just stopped. And I, they do do a motor show now, but it's just not the same. It was undercover mm -hmm. and bright lights and these cars yeah. that were less accessible then. So you didn't see Lamborghinis on the road when I was growing up. You didn't see a Ferrari unless you were somewhere very special. I know that there are a lot more of them now. They are very accessible and you see them around all the time. But back then, a supercar was something absolutely wow that you just didn't see yeah. unless you went to a motor show. Oh, ab absolutely. And I think um, 
the the 90s stuff because i think that's how i we first connected because you used to post 90s cars pics on instagram yeah and we got chatting because you posted something i thought oh my god i remember those and it was some it was probably something like a Renault 5 gt turbo or something <laughs> and I go, oh my god i remember those i want one and we've been chatting ever mm. since um but when i and the thing i wanted to ask you about was because obviously there's a thing about you know trends change right so there's back in the day there was all the 90s cars and they all came in you know certain types of colors and then you know you look yeah. at supercars now they're kind of before it used to be there's there's a palette that you choose from and that's it you don't veer away yeah. from that mm-hmm. whereas now uh pretty much anything goes i mean i'm looking at the colors behind you and it's you know those are yeah. the kind of bog, more bog standard but pretty much yeah. anything goes and I, I saw you the other week when you were in that 911 targa what color was that yeah that was the ruby star neo yeah, and I, I would I would never dream of buying a car that colour. And like I said to you last time, Mark, I got talking to Darren Gibson. You know, he's Mr. Finance when it comes to yep, yep. Uh, supercars. And he said, you always have to think about, you know, when you're trying to get out of the car, when you're trying to sell it, who's going to want to buy the car that you've specced up? Um, do you ever do you ever get somebody sat in front of you and they're specking a car up and you're sat there almost inside shaking your head going, what are you doing? Yeah, it happens. I must admit it happens more rarely now than it, it used to, but there are some customers who want a slightly more unique specification. If it's a family SUV and they want, I don't know, a car with a bright red interior and a bright red dash, you kind of think we're not obliged to buy these cars back at the end of the day. And if this is their dream car and it's a Porsche and that's what they love and that's what they've probably got that point of reference from when they were young and seen a car with that spec and always thought about and always wanted it. You kind of think, who am I to burst their bubble and tell them to have something else? So there is a degree of, okay, I can understand that. We can try and give the customers a steer and say, you know, we, if you spec this car the way that it is, we, may not be able to buy it back or it might affect the value coming back but i think most customers do understand that and um, it's rare that you get a horrid combination um that color happens. That, that palette you just mentioned about the red interior have you been yeah. to the middle east that's that's, that's like the thing. that is the thing yeah <laughs> the saudis love it's, that stuff the, you know the full red interiors yeah absolutely and there is you know we all kind of laugh about there is a certain customer that might want a white car with a red interior and a red roof and each to their own and if that's their dream then that's fair enough it's their car they're paying for it. it's leaving here to be honest there's a bit more of a forgiveness with gt cars with color because everybody expects that they're going to be a little bit crazy especially touring and you can get away with it really um i know that there's been a few kind of outrageous interiors i know seen through glass got his gt3 and had the pasha interior there's but then again, was that something that he did because he knew people would look at it and click on his page and talk about it? And a lot of people do want something that is different so that people will talk about it and look at it and it will be recognisable. And so it's very personal. That's the good thing with Porsche, though. It is a very personal thing. So it's great that you've got the ability to do it. We try and steer people in the right direction if we think it looks awful. But um who are we to tell somebody you can't have that? We don't we don't need more monochrome German cars on the road though. So the colours are okay by me. I love that people buy them. I just don't know if I could buy a speed yellow McCann. 
Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? yeah. So the uh, you know there's a big Absolutely. push for um, you know McCann and KN PTSs through the Porsche dealership here like about six or eight months ago, and yeah. there's some shockers coming through, and I'm thinking to myself, you are doomed yeah. on the resale of that car. But if that's like yeah. you said, but I I can't I can't imagine many people aspire from being kids thinking, yeah, a KN, I can't wait till I hit the big time. I'm going to buy one of those. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, there might be people who've always wanted a 911, um, have got to the age that they can afford one, but have three or four kids and practically it wouldn't work. So I, they have something else that has the same badge. I thought, um, I thought you'd say, yeah. I've got to the age where they can afford one, but are now also <laughs> so old they can't get in and out of one. <laughs> That's also true. That happens too. It does happen. Yeah, when a Absolutely. when a middle aged man rolls out of a GT car and ends up laying on the ground because he can't get out of the, the carbon buckets. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm now. I, I I my children are now getting to the age because I could get them in my nine nine six, and now they're like nine and five. Uh, the nine year old, she's her legs are too long to sit in the back. And you just think, you know, but I still go out with them. You know, it's much easier because my wife hates going in that car. She thinks it smells. She thinks everybody hates you on the road. It's filthy. Wide, wide. Where I want to sit in that, I'm going to catch something. Uh, so, which is fine because then my nine year old can sit in the front. It's perfect. But when it's the four of us, I have to move my seat forward. So I've got my knees around my ears. But still, I, I don't think that, that would stop me. I think there is also a thing about. I know quite a few people who have a Macan or a Cayenne and I'm not sure they're car enthusiasts as I would you describe. You'd be surprised. Um, these cars, the GTS versions, especially that have all the drama, all the theatre, all the noises, the performance, the capability of them is astounding, actually. Um, I've got a customer who's part of my group, um, or car group, you probably heard. Um, He's had various Alpinas and he's taken delivery of a KN Turbo and he said he's it's one of the best cars he's ever had. It's so capable in performance, but he lives in Salisbury and has to drive into London and he can mount he can mount a curb if there's a tractor coming the other way, but still get every ounce of performance out of it. Um so there are there is a niche and actually we do make more performance versions of these cars than other manufacturers do. So if you're going to have a KM, why not get a KN Coupe Turbo? And, or if you're going to have an SUV, I should say. It's so a bit I, I'm in the market. So I had a go in the... I'm in the market. Oh, you're for, in the market. Yeah, yes. I am in the market for an SUV. And I do want to get a KN. But my budget's around that 2018, 2017 era yeah. at the moment, right? And back then, no one in Australia seen to option adaptive cruise control, which I want. Yeah, true. I, like I've had, like my last SUV had adaptive cruise control and it's like a drug. You can't take yeah, it away from true. someone once they've had it. You know what I mean? It's not fair. But I the, totally uh... agree. It's one of the things I missed <laughs> on my last company car and I've got it back and I'm, I feel like I've got a child back or something. It but, is, but now it's crucial once you've had it. Yeah. Now, but now it. <laughs> all new cars delivered in Australia actually have to have it by law as part of the okay. um, passenger yeah, or the collision avoidance stuff. So it makes comes as part of that, sense. right? So, yeah, you can't – I think it's from last year. So all from 23 onwards, they all have adaptive cruise control. But my budget's 2018, where hardly anyone did. Ooh, Can you retrofit it? Can you retrofit it? I don't think no. so. 
Or if, so, if, you, if, if you could, I imagine the cost to do so would be comparable to just going to get one that's a newer model anyway. True. Well, a lot of, say, turbo models would have that because people know that if you buy a turbo, it has to come with a certain amount of specification because it's a luxury car as well. Yeah, GTS is not necessarily as much. I, I tell you what I did see. Um, I, I was actually at my local Porsche dealership today and um, I've got one of my cars in there waiting for parts to come from Germany to get the thing going again, which I've since found out it's February the 28th. So, And that car's got air conditioning, this my other car is an old 356 which is on dailying whilst i'm waiting for the gd4 to get fixed and unsurprisingly the 356 doesn't have air conditioning and i live in perth which is also known as hades this time of the year with how hot it is right and um so driving around in 40 plus degrees without aircon is in an air cooled car has been somewhat of a challenge as you can appreciate but the um, oh, that's, <laughs> but that's while, I was, while i was there they actually had this 2016 turbo s 911 turbo s Mm. Ajmal had vented seats. It had leather on the vents. Like, I've never seen they a car. Are incredible. This guy has yeah. just said yes, 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 yes. When he was sitting in the room where you're sitting right now, he just kept saying yes to everything. Every there's it's nothing. It's pretty much a Turbo S thing, though. If you're buying a Turbo S, most people go big on the spec as well. Yeah, this they kind guy, of go hand in hand. Yeah, this this guy or girl it might have been a girl who bought it originally. You bought it new. I'm telling you, I've never seen a car with more options under that brand. It had everything. With the only, oh. except for PTS, that was the only thing it didn't have. Mm. But it was yeah, I, did the, I did the, um, I remember Tina, you let, uh, you gave me a, a GTS to, as a loan for like half an hour. McCann. And, um, McCann. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. McCann GTS. And, um, and that was because Mark and I were having the debate of, you know, you're always saying that how terrible they are, but you've never driven one. And I'm like, oh, yeah. she's got one. And, um, and they're, they're, as cars, they're brilliant. As the, the engineering is obviously brilliant. All of that stuff works really well. But it's the, because um, it's the performance model and you, you take it out on a dual carriageway and you, you give it the beans and you're sat there going, and obviously I didn't put it into, you know, crazy mode. Um, and you give it the beans and, you think, oh, where's the performance? The performance is on the speedo. You look at the speedo and you go, oh my god, I'm going warp speed, but it doesn't feel like I am because yeah. they're so comfortable, they're so big. Whereas, you know, insulated. Mark and I talked. You know, it's so it. insulated. It's yeah. a modern car thing, isn't it? But that yeah. that is kind of why I do enjoy having, as you know, as well, yeah. the more classic cars because you do feel the speed a lot more. Yes, and it, and it's and which is why it's I because they shit the old. Yeah. Yeah, everything moves yeah. around too much. When I break down, it's all just much more exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> well, it, it was when, when my wife had the, a Golf R, and uh, Tina, you know, she, she had a Golf R from 2017. It's brand new. And we went out in the 996, and, you know, I've given it the beans all through the country lanes. And she went, why? Why do you have this car? It's, like, terrifying. Um, and she went, you know, my golf is faster, it's more uh, safer, more practical, it's all more reliable, it's all of these things. And I went, but it's that slight feeling of terror and like I'm not totally in control. That's why I love it. It's the thrill factor, isn't it? Yeah, it we is. kind of, when you think about, you know, the things that we do for a bit of a thrill, maybe a roller coaster here or, you know, abseiling, jumping off a, I don't know, off a bridge with a bungee cord, all of those things are, you know, the adrenaline side of things and the older cars kind of 
think gives that a lot more than the modern cars. Or the, the modern some, cars are off fab. Some modern, a, you know, some modern cars do yeah. it, as GT cars continue to demonstrate, which is an amazing oh, yes, thing. They tune into the car that. accordingly, right? However, where the needle is on the speedo is at a whole different stratosphere of where it is on the uh, other cars. So, yeah. Well, speaking of which, Ajmal, I copped an absolute piss cutter of a fine camera <gasps> one yesterday. On Nanny State. Uh, Nanny look, State in all fairness, I might have been doing 32 kilometres an hour over the speed limit. Oh. <laughs> alleged. Alle- it uses the words in there, alleged, right? Well, I think I think that over over here certainly, I think three hundred brake horsepower is sort of the limit on usable on the roads. What about the second gear? Anybody? Uh, no, yeah. no. <laughs> on my on my so on my no no six. I because I always do that is when I'm going on the motorway, and it's on the slip road, and you you gird up to the speed limit in second gear. <laughs> And then you quickly go through all the other gears and carry on at 70 miles your, your car's better on a downhill, right? <laughs> you need to use that to get a bit of momentum. And tailwind. Yeah. Don't forget the yeah. tailwind. I, I, forget, <laughs> I forget you've seen my car. Because <laughs> when Tina had the, the nine I've grand... It, I don't think I've ever seen it under what it's always caked in, but yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> Ajmal, when, park it over there. Ajmal, park over there. <laughs> I did do that. I parked it right at the front of the. You know when you had the relaunch of the dealership. I parked. Yes. I I drove in. It was you know it was busy. It was an evening. It was party. You know who was there? DJ Spoonie or somebody. And um, I, there was a spot right at the front. So I just pulled in. I parked it right at the front. And I parked it next to this immaculate nine six four red nine six four. And it belonged to Simon Jessup. <laughs> So as I was walking out with him and he went oh, and he looked at my car and he, and he said, oh, my God, that's horrific. And then he took photos of it and sent them to Mark and saying, can you please have a word with him? So it's going to get washed. It's going to get it's going to get washed. Just so you know, Tina, he that's did say the same thing a year ago. Right? <laughs> you bought the 986 so that you could park it next to the 996 and make the 911 look better. I know, but it was... Oh, that was the that was the worst decision of my life. That, that <laughs> box, awful. You you never saw him first. Tina drives a Boxster as well. Okay. Yours is a nine eight seven Sport Edition. Yeah, Sport. And uh, but it's I mean it's immaculate. You could, it looks brand new. Every time I've seen it, it just looks spotless. Um, and, and when I when I got my nine eight six, I just thought, oh my god, what I've done, what have I done? <laughs> but but that was that was one of the questions that came up. Actually, I asked you because when you were in that nine uh, eleven Targa, the it, it's brand spanking new that one, isn't it? It was it's, new, yeah. Yeah, and um, and I said, so if I put my nine nine six in for a service, could I have that as my courtesy car? <laughs> and you didn't really answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I mean that car. You could you could have a nine eleven as a courtesy car. I don't see why not. Um, I think we tr- we always try to give cars that we think that we could persuade somebody to buy. Puppy <laughs> dog sale. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, might not be the pink one. We have others available. How's I, don't it, see, I don't see why not. How successful has the Targa been in the UK as a model? It's actually. There's a lot less of an audience for a Targa because I suppose it's neither a convertible or a coupe. Um, I think people feel better if, I hate to say it, like the male audience feel better about driving a Targa than a Cabriolet because of the 
you know, the connotations of having a cab over here, they still have, you know, a certain uh, je ne sais quoi, I should say. So, I mean, it's a much smaller market than any of the other models. Um, but the obviously the, the current GTS Targa 4 992 version, I think it's probably been the most successful. I know they've built more of them than any others, but it just looks that little bit meaner, doesn't it? Um, but it is, yeah, it's it's the lowest, I suppose, selling car as such, I suppose, because of the practicalities, they are more money. You have to be sort of financially committed to owning that car if you're going to buy a Targa, because it is the, the, the most pricey one in the range. It's, it's the but same, they are a phenomenal car. It's the same problem here in Australia, that there's, they are super rare. No one bought them, right? Everyone appreciates them. Like, when you see one, like, as, a, as a design, yeah. stunning. Like the prof the the profile of a targa is just the balance between how much glass house there is to body. It's a, just a great design, right? But no one's putting their hand in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, but Australia is a bit different. It's like you know, you 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 could spontaneously combust taking the yeah, we don't taking s- the roof off in the summer. In saying that, they do sell more targas than cabriolets here because no one buys a cabriolet. Yeah, but that's that's common in a lot of the hotter yeah. countries. It seems if, if you know if if it's any possibility of a semblance of daylight outside, if you live somewhere cold, you feel the need to take the roof off your car, right? Yeah, doesn't have to be warm. Yeah, doesn't have to be dry. As long as it's you know, as long as the roof can come down. Like in the UK, like Sweden, Norway, Finland, you see, you go over there and there's just cabs everywhere. You think, what are you people doing? Are you insane? Well, yeah. Tina did take the roof oh, yeah. off when it was like five degrees. That day. Had the heater on the windows up. Briefly, it didn't stay off. And the annoying thing with a Targa was with a cabriolet, you can put the roof up when you're doing under 40 miles an hour. With a cabriolet, with the Targa, you, you have to be stationary to put the roof back up. So you have to pull over and do it, which it can be a bit of a pain. But and it's a fantastic car, isn't it? That whole roof mechanism is such um, a show-off thing. You know, everybody wants to see the roof going up and down. It's so transformative. <laughs> Mechanics of that are insane. I, it, it is. It's a transformer thing, Mark. You're right. It looks like it's about to transform yeah. into a robot of some kind. Like, so many things <laughs> come up and then go back yeah. in. And Especially it, where the it, roof it, bits it, flap up and down on the rover. But you know, yeah. when you watch it, you go, "This is incredible." I hope to Christ if I ever buy one of these, nothing ever goes wrong with it because it's going to cost me a zillion. Yeah. Look, you mentioned really micro switches and stuff are in there to make each step happen, all that sort of stuff. Be horrific. Yeah. Imagine no, having... I don't think I've ever had known any Targa issues, actually, well, funnily enough. Let's, let's talk about it in 15 years. Tina's <laughs> um, not going to care about them in 15 years. She'll have been no, she'll, a new car. She'll have moved on a Bugatti by then. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, no, that's one I'd never do. <laughs> no. No. Oh, no. Hand grenade. The, um, there's, um, in, in the dealership that you're in, or the, uh, the centre that you're in, there's a, a large classic presence as well, isn't there? Because there's a, a service centre dedicated to classic cars yes. there. So yeah. when and, and the thing I, I love about that, obviously, and there's a reason for it, but when you walk in and you're just wandering around, obviously there's the big glass wall into the service centre. And right at the yeah. front, there's always like a beautiful classic, whatever it is, whichever one's in, Absolutely. it's being serviced right by the glass. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got the technicians here to look after them. So we've got two three four workshops i think actually think about it um and we've got gold trained technicians who can work on the more classic stuff so most of the retail technicians 
kind of a more train for the moderns, you know, the modern cars. Um, so it is more specialist work. Um, but we have the ability here to look after those cars. And we're trying to encourage more people to use us because a lot of people that have older cars where they're not under warranty um, don't always worry or care about having a Porsche main dealer stamp in the book anymore when it gets to a certain age. And we know that they are expensive to look after. So there are, once a car's registered under the Porsche Classic Register, obviously the parts and the servicing and things cost less. But it is good to have these in. And, and we all know now the value of these cars has gone up so much. It's definitely worth looking after them. We had a car in here that was worth about a million pounds, an RS that was insane. It's not happened to my car yet, Tina. <laughs> well, perhaps we should start to look after it a little bit more. Do you think it would help if I came and registered it under the classic car bit? Um, I don't know if there is any help in your car, but it would make it cheaper, that's for sure. I need to, I do need that. But the thing is, I, I do look after mine mechanically. It's just, it's not been cleaned. But, you know, this that, year, this is the that year. That is not true. That say, is bullshit. No, no. He said mechanically, right? That's cosmetic. That's no, no, no. You're still, you're still, you're still bullshitting here because you've had those timing chain noises, for, I reckon, for a good two, three years, and you still haven't done it. No, but that, that, and I, I know everyone listening will understand that. Those you have to take the engine out, and then you're in a whole world of pain. And people go, "Well, while the engine's out, oh, there's a bit of weeping there." The, you might as well do the clutch, you might as well do the IMS, you might as well do this, and then you're like five grand down. I'm calling yeah. you out for saying you look after your car mechanically and you've just proven the point that you don't. It's only got shot. Uh, what about your rear shocks? How are they go at the moment? They're the only things that are broken now and the <laughs> blowing exhaust. Everything else is fine. And why? Maybe. You know what? The 996 is the one that's starting to come into its era again. They're starting to become more desirable, aren't they? They so, are. They are, Mark. Don't make that face. Look, maybe, the, maybe the manual turbos the right that have one. done less than 50,000 yeah, miles. Yes, I agree with you, okay? <laughs> but, yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's funny. It's the amount of customers that buy cars from us that have a classic somewhere, you know, either being restored or in the garage already, a lot of these customers that buy cars do still do appreciate that classic car. And I think, like we say, that, you know, these cars that we used to have on the halls when we were growing up, you know, the, yeah. the Targa or the 964 Turbo, whatever it was that used to be on the wall on the poster next to your Diablo or your Countach or whatever it was, those kind of remain with the people that are buying the current cars now and they still buy the older ones because they still have that desire. It's, um, I, you know, it's still it's, a passion. It's interesting you bring that up because... I was discussing this with a fellow enthusiast and a listener, actually, recently. And it seems people that got into the brand through classic slash air-cooled or even classic water-cooled, say, yeah. transaxle cars or whatever, yeah. they're more likely to also own a modern car, right? Whereas through yeah. the Porsche Club, yeah. right, people that come into the brand in the last, say, 10 to 15 years only through the water-cooled they're curious about a classic but rarely buy one. So it seems to be the people mm. who come in on the early cars as their entry into the brand seem to get multiple, end up with multiple cars in the garage versus yeah. the other way around. Mm. Um, but there is curiosity there about the old cars until they actually drive one. They go, oh, hang on, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But that, they actually yeah. don't know what it was going to be. That's the other part of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And there's 
so much more exposure now for these classic cars and lots of events that happen. I know, I don't know if there's any in Australia, but we have, there's an air cooled event that happens um, locally to us that Plaxis Jack sponsors. There's Boxing Gasser is a huge one and Porsche GB support that and take their own classic cars because they have here in, in the back and some sheds and things, there are lots and lots of classic cars that Porsche GB have kept as examples of that, you know, the best of that model. And they bring those out to the shows as well. And I think there's so much more appreciation now for those cars because they, you know, I think modern supercars or modern sports cars are so much more accessible, so much easier to buy and so much more common now that having a classic that isn't as common has become the new cool thing to do. So people kind of wait all of their lives to have this car that they've always desired. And when they get it, they're not as desirable as the older ones are. It's funny, isn't it? There's yep. just a lot of appreciation around. Is, is there um, is, is there going to be an official presence at Classics of the Clubhouse this year? Or Porsche? I don't think so, no. I think they'll continue to support Boxing Gasset. I know that for sure. And obviously they did, they do support sort of Porsche Christmas and Porsche classic stuff at um, Heritage um, in Vista. But um, I don't think that event officially, but Porsche Owners Club do support it. Yeah. No, I've seen, I've seen those there. Yeah. There's, because um, you're right, the, the amount of events that are happening is increasing, which is good. Um, and a lot of them are growing, like the one that I saw you at last, the um, uh, West Berkshire cars and coffee at the brewery yeah that just started off with i remember the first one i went to it was about 15 cars just people stood around having a chat coffee mm. literally cars and coffee and then it got it got so big that it had you know the regulars were saying you have to ticket it because you know we were saying to pj you have to ticket it because so many hooligans were turning turning up you know people revving their car it's a tiny little village that it's in you know people were being disruptive but also it was backing out the queue to get in mm. were backing out into the village and causing chaos so mm. i think those kind of things are increasing um in regularity which is a good thing right yeah absolutely as well we here in perth like to give you, if, just to give you some scale here tina we're a population of about two million people here in perth and okay. we're the world's most remotest city we're a long way away from anywhere Closest next closest city to us is actually Singapore, right? So, oh my God. yeah, so <laughs> the yeah. um, so we are quite remote. Um, we don't have any events that are ticketed, none of the car events are ticketed over here. They're all that's because you're surrounded by desert, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but with you know, you mentioned the, the, there's the, an the opportunity traf there. The traffic, oh, the traffic going back. Oh, this is the sort of place where they'll knock over a tall poppy. You know, if someone tries to have a crack, I think they'll just say, We're not going. We're not paying a dollar. <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, I've got a, I've got a three million dollar supercar here. I'm not paying four dollars to get into that event. You know, <laughs> don't, don't try and figure it out. You know, but the, um, but we don't have a classic approved Porsche Center here, and there is only one Porsche Center, and as a result, there's probably about six air cooled specialists. All of them are ex Porsche employees. Every one of them that owns it, yeah. each of those businesses, Absolutely. right? So they have, yeah. yeah, they have. We have the expertise in the town, but we have like these little niches of the people you go to for this part of your classic to this part. Like we're, some people who, one guy who he knows Weber carburetors, but yeah. only on Porsches. He doesn't. He doesn't touch other Webers on Escorts or yeah. you know anything else yeah. and we've got someone who specializes in um head work for air-cooled 911s or 
356s, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yes. it's quite, um, uh, I guess, fragmented the expertise, whereas at a Porsche Center, if, we had, if it was classic approved, with how long a lot of these guys have been doing it, like all of them have been doing it 20, 30 years. It's all old blokes. There's no young guys working on these old cars. I'd be, you know, at some point, the expertise is going to have to get pulled into one place, you know, and young people are going to have to get trained through. But they're all owner operators. They're not, they're not big enough businesses to have apprentices and things like this. So it's going to be, you know, I think mm-hmm. it will eventually all come back to Porsche, you know, because we've had that era of, say, from about, year 2000 onwards where Porsche just we're only interested in new cars until about 12, 14 years ago when the classic thing really It's crazy, made isn't it? Because they say that like 70% of Porsche are still on the road, which means that, you know, all of the old cars are still running and there's going to be the need and demand for all of these cars that are on the road now assuming, to carry on running. Assuming so they'll just... let us drive them and we can get fuel for them. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that, that's true. It's going to be that's biofuels. True. It's going to be biofuels, um, yeah. but but the thing is, the, the where the Porsche Center is, um, how many people have started their apprenticeships, you know, working on Porsches there, and then ended up setting their business. You know, Jack's one of them. Ray yeah. North is another one. There's a ton of yes. other people who, who set up these independent garages that are, you know, within a few miles of the center. Uh, and it's amazing because you know you get your new car and you keep going back to the center, right? Because that's what you want. What does you want to keep that book getting stamped? But if you've got an older one, there's like five or six probably that you could find probably through the center and say, look, I've got an old car, and someone there like Tina will be able to tell you, oh, there's these three guys you've probably gone get in touch with and they'll help you out. Yeah, I suppose, but it's, I guess it's like any economy, there has to be horses for courses and there has to be a price point for everybody. Not everybody can afford to bring the car to a Porsche centre that owns a Porsche and, you know, there there is a market for everyone. But, I mean, as as we know that a lot of people prefer to get a stab from a mate dealer, we do appreciate this. Not everybody can do that. And also, we are very busy as well. So sometimes things come up that need urgent attention. We might not be able to see them. But I suppose that's why these people exist and there is a market. Yep. For them. Yeah. Well, there's one of the, the Porsche Centre recently moved about oh, seven, eight kilometres further away from where I am. And in the area I live in, we have a very high um, percentage of cars are Porsches. Like, you know, I've got three private girls' schools within one kilometre of my house. So wow. it's just, it's KN Central, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, Mac- or McCann Central. And he, the um, one of the mechanics, his shop is only about two k's from my house. He's now booked out for about six months because the number of women who work, live around here yeah. won't travel the distance to go and get their car done at the Porsche service center now because it's moved further away it's just baffling to me everybody drives like you know like i told you before here driving like 20 miles is a long way over there you guys drive 500 miles and don't think nothing of it we get, gotta I get the milk i could hang up now and in 15 minutes be sat with tina having a coffee that's how close she is <laughs> yeah literally. i was actually half expecting you to be sitting next to her when we did this so I, 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 actually. I know I should we should have done that would that would have been the way but um next time we will I think that would be ideal or uh, sitting because... in a car doing it while you're driving oh yes that is a good idea back seat a back that seat a of a turbo like carpool karaoke yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly we'll have to sing as well well James Corden's moved back hasn't he you could get him in a drive <laughs> yeah, we should get isn't he back in the UK him. now 
He got the sack in America, I think didn't he? Might he? I think he might I be. Yeah. I don't know if he got the sack. Get on, I mean, get on the phone, Tina. You must have his number in your Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, I can't, Tina. You must have his number. Get him. Do you know what? <laughs> he must have a Porsche. He must have one. He, he, there must be somebody in the network that has his number. You're going to look yeah, him up as soon as you get off long. his podcast, aren't you? Yeah, he <laughs> hasn't been here. I must admit, no. We've had a few, a few good names in here recently. Actually, we had Hollywood actors, footballers. We've had a few people from sort of TV and yeah, sport, etc. It's great actually for meeting people. Yeah, I met I one of my heroes. The, <laughs> I did see the guy from. Uh, what's the band called? McFly. McFly. Yes. Yeah. And again, see, he went to pick up his car, and who did he tag in his post? Yeah, I helped him find <laughs> that know? car. We went through a lot of cars that day trying to find him the perfect one, and <laughs> yeah, yeah after okay. we eventually did, and it was sitting here outside in the car park. He was so pumped to buy that car. I'm he hearing, was great. I'm hearing a bit of consistency here from Marjorie about the tagging. Are you saying, show me your phone? I want to see my ha- I want to see my hashtag before I give you the key. Show me your phone. <laughs> Is that what's going on here, Tina? No, because there's people who are saying, oh, I'm on my way to Porsche to pick up my car, and then they'll take you know, people. Like, on. My Instagram is actually private, and I don't ask them for it, but, you know, it's, it's nice of them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly help, it'll, it'll, it'll help you get, it'll help you in your next job. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I, did want, I did want Chris Hoy to tag me, but sadly he didn't. No, I think I just was fangirling him a bit too much. I really scared him. We, 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 can't, we can't talk about cyclists after their last podcast. I've been told not to talk about cyclists anymore. Okay? <laughs> we, can't, we can't talk. We were talking about, what was it we were talking about the enhanced games, weren't we? Yeah, that's right. Drugs mm. in sports. So, you know, especially, yeah. a, especially uh, a sprinter. We can't talk about a sprinter, especially, right? Yeah, because, uh, uh, Tina, there was, uh, there's a new like sports games, swimming, whatever, athletics coming along. Uh, and it's going to be where people are actively taking steroids. Um, yeah, performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs. Steroids isn't the only offer on the table here, Ashwa. All right, well, performance-enhancing, all right. Under the banner of, that's what we call them, obviously, yeah. <laughs> doping, whatever. Um, and uh, obviously it came up that, you know, Mark used to be a professional cyclist. No, I didn't. Used I've to never work. been a professional cyclist. All right, you used to work in professional cycling. Just a little bit. A wannabe professional cyclist. Yeah, no, I realised pretty early that I was never going to be good enough, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> hence, it, hence the four wheels instead. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. So, Is there such a thing for drivers? Red Bull, I suppose. I don't know. Well, interestingly, they don't get tested. <laughs> yeah. Don't they? Drivers? Mm. No. Well, one drivers don't get tested. Well, do, do, oh. I've not never heard of it. Have you like you telling me this wouldn't come up in Drive to Survive? No, I, I think probably they need their concentration and you, uh, you, don't, to you don't think yeah. that you don't think there is performance enhancing uh, applications yeah. for reactions. You take drugs for that. Yeah, you do. I've read online. I have no idea. Yeah, we we opened up something here on our F one talk again. <laughs> we'll talk about this in the next episode. All right. Yeah, let's talk about this on the next episode. No, I appreciate now that Tina has uh, taken time out of her day, uh, work day, to talk to us. Really appreciate it, and thank you so much. There's probably a whole load more that we could talk about, but we'll probably have to get you back on. Part great, two. Great idea. Part two. And um, good to see you. <laughs> yep, you too. You too. Um, I'll just thank you, everyone, for listening this long. And if you're new to the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast platform we love hearing from you all 
I can be reached on most socials as Mark and Cars. That's Mark with a C. Ajmal is flat cap driver. Obviously, it's going to be very easy to find Tina's handle <laughs> if you know anything about Porsche <laughs> GB. We hope you're listening from behind the wheel. Until next time, see you, everyone. Bye. You, right, let me just stop recording.